Welcome to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations with Nina Impala. Do you have questions about death? How about events surrounding death? Or perhaps you have questions that need to be answered after death. On this program, we talk frankly and openly about the subject and invite you to share your comments and experiences as well. Now, here is your host, Nina Impala. Well, hello, everybody, and I hope you're all having a great November. I am here today with Father Nathan, who is on Inspiring End of Life Conversations on the third Wednesday of every month. So if this is your first time hearing him, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, and then we'll jump into the show. So Father Nathan is originally from Groves, Texas. He graduated from Trinity University in San Antonio and entered the Dominican Order in 1979. He received his his master's, his MA and his master's in divinity degrees from the Dominican School of Philosophy and Theology at sorry, <laughs> at theology at the graduate you at the the school, sorry, you guys, I'm just going to back right up here. Graduate Theology Union in Berkeley, California, and served in campus ministries in California and Arizona for 27 years. He was pastor, director of the Catholic community at Stanford University and also at the All Saints Catholic Newman Center at Arizona State University. Father Nathan chaired the executive board of the Catholic Campus Ministry Association. He's also the author of Antoto II, The Wizard of Oz as a Spiritual Adventure. He has two books. Well, the second book is coming out very soon. We're hoping December 5th, Afterlife Interrupted, Helping Stuck Souls Cross Over, and then After Life Erupted 2, which we took out the word stuck. And Father Nathan will tell us about that today. And that is due out on December 5th. So, Father Nathan, with all that, I screwed up your bio. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the show today. I'm happy to be with you, and we'll do better. Okay, good. Well, today, you know, we've, you and I have been talking about what's happening in the world, the anxiety people are feeling, the frustration that they're feeling, and also of an unknown future. And some of your stories in your books really do well at showing us that, and people do carry it into the afterlife. So we're going to be talking about that today. And what I thought we'd start out with, Father Nathan, if you're comfortable with this, is the beginning of this journey for you as a Catholic priest delving into what you do, your gifts, and your beautiful talents. There must have been a little bit of trepidation, thinking about the future, about what this would look like for a Catholic priest. Yes. In fact, the particular work of helping uh, souls cross, you mentioned you might have some listeners who um, have not been on, uh, heard earlier shows that I've been on. Um, my The phenomenon was about 23 years ago, I began to have dreams where a person who had died a sudden traumatic death would come to me in the night seeking some sort of help in making a passage. They had I call it the interrupted death experience. They had died and left the body and then some movement forward in the afterlife, but only partially and then needed some help. So uh, I began doing that work with prayer partners a long while ago, and it, it involves uh, allowing my voice to be borrowed by uh, someone who's in needs to be able to tell a story. Yes. So that, that was the part that I thought might uh caused me trouble inside the Catholic church and the Christian community. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I just had to, I don't know, power through that. Just say, 
It's you a gift did. of God, and every, any gift that God gives us can be used for a holy purpose or an unholy purpose. And I don't think I'm doing anything unholy, and I'm just telling the truth. So Yes. And, and the, the really beautiful thing about this, so in your first book, you have... Um, you talk about a little bit about taking that step forward. It was actually with one of your your wonderful people that you helped that are definitely your friends because I call your group your club. Mm-hmm. And one of the gentlemen, I think it was Shelby, we won't get too deeply into a story, but you were saying that like he had your back. And when you were getting ready to start this journey, as with many of us, you know, when we pay attention to the signs, there was a song that really spoke to your heart. And it was about Kelly, it was a Kelly Clarkson song. And I think a lot of people know this because of you, I won't stop. I won't stay too long on the sidewalk because of you. I don't have to play on the safe side so I, so I don't get hurt. And I think a lot of people know this song, but basically what the song tells is being very careful and, and not going outside the lines. Where yeah. she, you it's chose- a song where she's angry, uh, expressing anger at the person who has um, betrayed her in such a way as to make her overly cautious of everybody else. Exactly. And so when a person does that, Father Nathan, and they move through life with that after being hurt like that, which we do see in a lot of people, I mean, we all have suffering and challenges in our life, and sometimes that will cause us not to be more careful, to be too careful, where you're actually missing out on life. And taking a leap like you did, that song really spoke to you and helped you along with the other people that you've helped that are on the other side in the afterlife. Would that be correct? Yeah, I think for her, it's really a song that she wrote, I think in her teens or early 20s, before she was famous, um, about her parents' divorce. And I think her parents... Uh, unfortunately, leaned on her as a child uh, to console them as they were going through the heartbreak of the breakup of their marriage. Yeah, and she was just not equipped as a child to do what they were um, asking of her, and so that she's kind of expressing that anger later in her life when she found the words to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And but that, the, the point of it, the reason I that I mentioned it in the in Afterlife Interrupted, I, it, it's in the it's in the context of a letter that I wrote to my religious superior saying, I'm making the decision to go public with this part of my life. Mm-hmm. that I haven't, I've only spoken to privately uh, in the past. Um, and, but I have some fear that um, I'm going to be leaving the sidewalk and going into the ditch. And yes. I believe that's where the wounded are. Yes. And, and, and then you go, Go sorry. Go ahead, Father Nathan. Well, I gave the example for any of your listeners that uh, know the Good Samaritan story. That that there, it's a one-two-three story. One guy walks by, another one walks by, and finally the Good Samaritan does something and helps the person who's bleeding. Uh, and the first two are priests. Yes, but they don't want to get their hands dirty because it will get in the way of their priesthood. And. Uh, and so I thought, wow, that's my story. I'm, I'm some, I had a priest guy that I didn't know very well, but I confided in him that I was thinking of doing this. And he said, you could jeopardize your priesthood. God, that must've been scary for you. Well, it was, it was uh, something that it was a response that I sort of expected to get. Yeah. Um, I was just trying it out on this guy that I didn't know all that well. He, he worked, he's kindly disposed, but like, somebody that I only see every four or five years. 
And uh, anyway, that was his response. Are you sure you want to do that? You could jeopardize your priesthood. And I thought, there's a story that Jesus told about that. <laughs> yeah, there is. That's a great story, too. And and I think doing our talents, having our talents in life, and really having the courage to go forward is, it, it can kind of get in the way sometimes. And as we go through the show today, and we talk about this, being present in life, I believe, is, you know, when you're truly with God, and you're using your talents, and then moving forward with that. And it's been so interesting with your with your guys. We were talking today about, um, we're going to talk a lot about Brady and Paul today. And I think what we'll do is we'll just start with their stories of being in car accidents. Brady, as I recall, is the one that is the major planner. He, yeah. even, he even says in one part of his story, he said, you know, I didn't, he always wanted to have, be ready for the next thing. Yes. And he would plan so that would happen. And when he died in a car accident, well, that wasn't planned. So that was really hard for Brady. But Brady kind of lived in the future, wouldn't you say? Well, we, okay. you, just before the show began, you and I are both golfers and we were talking about golf. And he yeah. used the golf metaphor to talk about, uh, he said, I pretty much used the present to tee up the future. Yes. Um, and he planned things mostly because he was divorced with no kids. Most of the people that he wanted to do stuff with had partners or kids and whatnot. And um, he said, if he didn't make the plans, no one would. So he was the planner. And right. uh, it happened that the automobile accident in which he died, they were on their way to a baseball game where he had made the plans about the tickets and so on. And, and then he died and he said, you know, when you when you live so much of your life in the future, you can begin to think that because you've planned it, you now control it. Mm -hmm. And he said, I found out that wasn't true. Yeah. I think we all kind of get into that. I mean, I think that's like a human condition. And I think also that it kind of makes us feel like keeps us safe. And with Brady, I would definitely say that he, it was a way to keep him safe of not being alone of always having something going because when something kind of fell through, he would get sad about it, but it was really important to him to wake up happy. Don't let this get to me. Yeah. I was allowing him to speak. So he was within me uh, and he was speaking to my prayer partner and the, that prayer partner asked him, uh, did you make all these plans to avoid being lonely? Mm -hmm. And He said, um, well, I was with my best friend and, uh, once in a while, I would allow myself to be lonely, um, usually after work in the evening hours. And if he realized that he was lonely, he'd have a talk with himself and he'd say, okay, buddy, you're feeling glum. I never used the word glum, but it came out of me because he used it. Right. <laughs> you're feeling glum and that's all right. We're going to go ahead and feel glum, but we're also going to go to bed early so that we end this day and we wake up to a happy day tomorrow. Yeah, he, he kind of talked to himself. That's the way he dealt with it. And sometimes going to bed early just actually is a way, it, I mean, just will put you to sleep and then you don't have to worry because you didn't plan anything. You don't need to be sad. So you can just check out. Well, apparently he didn't have trouble falling asleep when he just decided, okay, we're going to just end this day early and we're going to wake up in a different frame of mind. And uh, that seemed to work for him. So when he went to the other side, what was it that the the guides were teaching him to move him out of that? 
Well, one of the challenges for, I've done like 300 of these. And so I've gotten to know lots of people's individual stories of what their afterlife challenge was. One of the things that's common to all of them is forming a, a vision of your future. What would you like to do next, Nina? Yeah. And uh, for many people, that wouldn't be a problem. But if you were very invested in planning and they had all your plans ripped from you, and then I come back behind you and say, Nina, let's make some plans. You yeah. just might not, want, might not want to do that. Yeah. And that's what happened to Brady. So he had to learn. And this is what was kind of interesting about him that I felt was pretty interesting about him is, is the same thing that we have to do on earth. And it comes with prayer or meditation or walking in nature or listening to music and doing things literally, you know, calming things by yourself. And yeah. it, can, it can be difficult to do. And so the angels, or I should say the guides and his whoever was helping him in the afterlife were t- teaching him to be still and to listen more. And to not rush over the present moment as though it doesn't have its own beauty. Yeah. Just to be um, attentive to the moment that you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave him an example. He was in a, he was in a place with other people. In, in his afterlife. Mm-hmm. And he said it was sort of like a doctor's waiting room. Everybody in it was in need of some kind of healing. And there's no shame about being in a waiting room. Oh, you, know, like that. you look across the waiting room and you don't, you know, think negative thoughts about somebody just because they're going to see the same doctor you are. Yeah. That's none of your business. But yeah. he said, you, you, when I, they made me look around and then they made me notice that there were people that, um, needed something that I might've been able to help with. And that was a new struggling to get through the door. Could you hold the door open? You know? And that was a new thought for him. It was a new thing. He just hadn't paid much attention to it. That And they just, and they applauded him and he said it, he felt silly because all he did was help somebody that was unsteady on their feet or um, something like that. And they said, see, that's all we're talking about. The present moment always has an opportunity in it for you to notice your surroundings and and notice other people's struggles. So let's take this into like for the audience, right? I mean, just even right now, you know, staying present in, in, in your life and not knowing what the future is. And you and I were also just talking about, um, I, I threw out my back a couple of weeks ago, not well, I threw it out a couple of weeks ago and I actually just threw it out about three days ago. And I think for myself, my body's always telling me when I'm moving too quickly or I'm in the future because of everything that is going on in our world. So when we get quiet and when we get still, which there's so much go out there right now, you know, with the Calm app and certain things to help quiet our minds. Because when you, when you really get quiet and you get still or you're in nature, you kind of forget about time. Mm-hmm. I, I love that feeling, forgetting about time. But how often does that happen for us? Are you ever in a place where you forget about time, Father Nathan, where you just kind of go, wow, and you're just in this space? I just- do. Uh, uh, sometimes, um, it's funny because I'm a, I live in a religious community that prays together three times a day. And sometimes when you start to pray, your mind wanders off. Oh, Yes. But you still have this prayer book in front of you, and you're supposed to 
say the words in it at the right time, or like saying mass. Sometimes I'll be saying a public mass and I, I get into the words that I'm saying and I'm at prayer and I begin to kind of mentally float away. And then I'll think, oh my God, did I consecrate the host already? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you lost your or there's these The Catholic mass has the, it's very ritualized. And so there's these back and forth responses between the congregation and the priest. And that's true. You're supposed to like hit your mark. They're your lines. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'll, uh, I'll kind of, drift away in prayer when I really need to be paying attention to my next line. Yeah. And it feels kind of good though. Well, it does, does, but there are other times when uh, I think it's important to schedule times where you're going to be still. Yeah. Um, And it doesn't take much work. Even very busy people can do it. It's just a decision. And maybe a little bit of setting up an environment, Mm -hmm. you know, putting the phone on vibrate, uh, making sure that you've done what you can to create a little island of peace wherever you are. Uh, yes. and, and then, you know, breathing helps, just t- paying attention to your breath. That on the exactly. way in, it's nourishing you. And on the way out, it's detoxing you. Yes, it's Every true. That. So Every we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna go to break, Father Nathan. But when we get back, I really want to bring in um, Paul that was with Brady and talk a little bit more about this. So we will be right back after break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, 
back to this week's program. So I am back with Father Nathan. We've been talking about two gentlemen in his book, Brady and Paul, and not getting too far into the future and planning life when we really don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, Father Nathan, I wrote down this um, little note under one of your um, stories, expecting but not knowing. Like, you know, like for a teacher, they know when the school year is going to start. That's something where you get into the future. Or when you're pregnant and you're going to be having a baby, that's something that you know that's going to happen in the future. But what about the things that we don't know? And that's when we get into the scary parts. And I I loved in when you put Brady and Paul together. Paul died in a car accident too, right? He they did. died. Okay. And so they were together for that. But Paul was actually really able to help Brady because all he was really considered concerned about was being in that moment. And it was really interesting that they, the guides put them together to help mm-hmm. each other because they yeah. both got in a car accident. And Brady was a guy that was really in the future a lot, but Paul was pretty much polar opposite that way, right? Yeah, Paul was only um, 18 years old. He had graduated high school like a week before he drove his grandmother's car off the end of a pier, killing himself and three passengers. Right. Yeah. Um, he, But that summer that he was graduating, this was in the early 50s, mm-hmm. uh, he had no particular plans what he was going to do next. Yeah. He was just going to get some summer job and, you know, pay a bill or two and kind of take life as it came. Mm-hmm. At a moment when a lot of people would be up to their eyeballs in planning. Yes. You know, a lot of people that just graduated high school, they could hardly live in the present moment because they're so full of their excitement about what they're going to do in the near future. And next. that wasn't his case. He, he just lived pretty much in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And I do think there's certain things in life that it's, you know, it's okay to get excited about the future. Yeah. I But I also think there's another part of that is when you're getting you're you're not really excited about the future. You're just wondering what the heck's going to happen in the future, and you, you kind of try and make plans, but you really can't, especially right now. And well, so you know, I'm trained in Thomas Aquinas and and uh, Aristotle, and and uh, and I love C.S. Lewis, who also uh, is a Thomist. That's right. You had a great story there. So yeah, yeah uh, C.S. Lewis and the Screw Tape Letters, uh, which were written at, right at the beginning of World War II in England where there was plenty of reasons to be anxious. Uh, uh, and he, he's, he's in the, in the screw tape letters, screw tape is a demon who's a, a senior demon training an apprentice demon. Okay. And he's explaining that you and I are both uh, spirit beings, um, angels who've never, uh, who are not, who never lived in time. Mm-hmm. We live in eternity. Oh. But the ones that we're trying to ruin live in time and you need to know how it works. There's past and present and future. The past is uh, has some reality to it, and we don't want them to think about real, true things. We'd rather keep them thinking about unreal things because they um, they're least like God. God yeah. is God is the really real, and the future always has some speculative nature to it that is unreal. We don't mm-hmm. want them thinking about real things too much. We want to think about unreal things. And once you've got them on uh, thinking about the future, then you can really mess with them. Wow. Wow. It's true. So um, I, I try to, um, to discipline myself to try to stay in the present moment because I'm a planner. I think you are too. Oh yes. Uh, and 
part of the way that Aquinas talked about uh, the future was sometimes planning future activities is the present duty. Hmm. You know, if you've got kids to feed today, tomorrow, and next week, you need to have an organized life so that you can pay the grocery bill. Right. There's plenty of things that we do that are about the future that really are today's duty. Right. But beyond that, just speculating about, oh my, what's going to happen in the future if this one or that one gets elected or mm-hmm. you know, all these anxieties about things that are outside of one's control, uh, that uh, is negative and it's draining and it not, doesn't have much to do with truth. It doesn't. And I always ask myself the question, when I get too far into the future, is this true? Yes. Most of the time. Mm-hmm. Nope. It's not true. There's there's no truth to what you're bringing up, Nina, and what you're thinking about, Nina, and what's going to happen. So, and if, if you did, um, you speculate about uh, awful things that can happen in the future. Yeah. Um, you've lived through awful things before, haven't you? Mm-hmm. And you did that by applying yourself in the present. And right. figuring it out, dealing with it, moving through it. Uh, even if something really bad happened, because really bad things do happen, well, you ask for the present grace to do the present task and move along. Yeah. And so people, if you were to say to people, you know, the best thing to do, in if you're starting to go down that that dark, dark, what I call a dark street or a dark tunnel, that you have to bring yourself back into the present moment. And it really literally is a practice. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever been in a car? And it's just like you were talking about, did I consecrate the host? I, I mean, I've been in driving before and get to my destination. And I don't recall the whole trip because, you know, you're kind of on autopilot. Yes, you're like just mind- going of other things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll just catch myself. I was sitting in the car and go, wow, I just made all my turns and everything. But I was thinking about so many other different things. So I wasn't really present when I was driving. And I used to do, uh, I'll share a quick story with you, Father Nathan. One time I used to, um, well, one time when I was, I was living in Australia for a while, terrified about getting around and uh, driving a stick shift, two things that I did not do well. And I didn't have a good nav system or anything like that. So in order to make my way around there, I was like, I get in the car and bring in the present moment almost to an extreme sitting in the car seat. It's black. It's a little scratchy. It's hot outside. I'm at a red light. I'm going to put my foot on the gas. I'm going to go forward because it was so terrifying for me to just even get in the car and drive in this country. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was the one thing that saved me is just constantly bringing myself back to the present moment. Okay, I'm here. I'm living in Australia. I'm driving a little white car. It's a stick shift. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee, whatever. And it w- I had to be very consistent with it. And it, and it worked. Yes, it worked. and I'm sure that after a while you did that less because uh, you gained some skill along the way. Right, and got more comfortable with it. Got more comfortable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, who came for, going back to Brady and Palm jumping around a little bit, who came for, um, who came for Paul? I know Brady, Brady, Paul came for Brady, but who came for Paul when he was? Paul, um, Paul remember he got, st- he, his stuckness, and he was stuck, was that he thought life needed to make sense, 
but his wife died so nonsensically. Oh, right. And okay. he just ground and ground and ground in the afterlife about it's got to make sense. It's got to make sense. How could my life have ended so nonsensically? And he, uh, my my prayer partner, John, uh, decided to try algebra. Remember? Oh, yeah. Paul called himself minus four man because he mm-hmm. felt like he had stolen four lives from the earth. Mm-hmm. He was wearing a kind of minus four like um, Hester Prynne wore the scarlet letter. Uh, yeah. And. Uh, and John said, no, you, you have you ever, the other three seem to have passed just fine because they're not around you. You're, it sounds like you're really minus one man. Yeah. The others have moved on. And then yeah. John turned it into an algebra equation with an equal sign in the middle. And how do you, how do you solve for X? Mm-hmm. Um, and he needed you know, minus one um, uh, equals whatever was on the other side of the equal sign. And he said, how do you get, how do you get, that X, how do you figure out what X is? You'd have to add plus one. Mm-hmm. And then when, when he said that, his high school principal, Mr. Wambacher, showed up with a football jersey in the school colors with a plus one on it and said, here's how you do it. Put this on. Oh, that was great. It was he, really strange and funny. He was really stuck in a loop, which is which can also be hard when you've gone through something, you just keep playing it over and over again in your head. And what was really beautiful about this. And I think that to the audience, this is something you can do in life in your living life, not even in the afterlife is he re re like reformed it. He, he looked at it through different eyes. He got a different view. He looked out another window. So when he saw that Lake, he started seeing the birds and the trees and, the, the color of the water and had to put, bring in a whole different perspective than having it be this place he was died because his thing was he keep going back to the loop. Correct. Yes. You know, uh, all of these, all of the people that I deal with died trauma deaths. Right. Uh, and so there's a scene that they died in that was um, trauma traumatizing to them because it's where they're, they got shot or where they drowned or where they yeah. fell. Uh, and, I've seen that uh, I've seen it repeated that some people need to be brought back to that place and to uh, tame it somehow. Mm-hmm. To let it. Um, there's nothing wrong with lakes. Mm-hmm. It's just it was dark and he mm-hmm. accidentally drove a car into it. It wasn't mm-hmm. the lake's fault and it wasn't his fault. It was yes. just an accident. So he was he was taught that one of the things he could do in the afterlife is go back to that lake and just sit there and observe it. I just love the wisdom that the guides come in with. These very simple things to help people move through kind of typical human behaviors that we do here. Mm -hmm. And it's because of our brains and the things that we go through in our lives and things like that. Mm -hmm. And you know what else we were going to talk about today with that was, uh, and I think it's really cute, um, and another really good example of being in the future and being worried about what's ahead was in your book in Toto 2. Yes, on the Wizard of Oz. Oh my God, that is a great story. So I'm going to have you tell that for us because it's a very good example as well. Well, I love it. It's a story. It's a section of the Wizard of Oz that has to do with uh, getting yourself all anxious and worked up. If you recall, uh, Dorothy, she's already being chased by a witch. So she's got some reason to be anxious, but she just met a friend in the Scarecrow and she met a second. friend in the Tin Man. 
uh, she blessings keep showing up for her and these new companions and they're off to see the wizard and the three of them plus Toto <laughs> round a curve and they go into a darker part of the forest and the music of the movie gets a little foreboding yes. but it's still the yellow brick road and she's still with her friends and she on her own says ooh i don't like this forest it's dark and creepy <laughs> she's the one that created a little drama story in her head and she started it she started it <laughs> and that i think it's the tin the uh, scarecrow that says well i don't know but it's probably going to get darker before it gets lighter <laughs> well and in the book i said when you have to start a sentence with i don't know shut up yeah Shut up, Nina. <laughs> if you're going to just contribute, I don't know, but well, then maybe you could just hold that thought until you have something more concrete to say. Yes. But anyway, he adds that. And then the scarecrow, I mean, the tin man comes in with, well, there's probably uh, lions and tigers and bears. And then they're all, they start running into the dark forest. Nobody's chasing them, but they created this drama among themselves and now they're all frightened and they, they do run into the thing they're afraid of. They run right into a lion. That's right. That's when they meet the cowards. Exactly a dead lion, but they don't know that right away. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, I, whenever I catch myself being fearful about something in the future, I, I, I'll say, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Lions. I'll kind of play with myself and think, Nathan, snap out of it. Yeah. You're 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 doing like those characters and you're creating a, a a scary story in your head just calm down and the metaphor of the yellow brick road not disappearing it's still being there the path is still there just keep going and you yes. know don't worry about the future and that's what i got from that and in my read of the story toto is is the canine face of god he's he's the one that's i am his name means totality yes and, and he's loving you always and not asking for much of anything. Mm -hmm. uh, he's with you all the time and he'll be with you. There will be moments that are frightening in life that really are frightening, not make believe fears. No, uh, it's true. If you believe that God is with you all the time. You're not going to be alone in it. Uh, I'll go uh, promised. I'd be with you. Yes. And like any relationship that, you know, we have in life, you know, the relationship with yourself and trusting yourself and bringing in what you just said with God, that is, that's where the peace is. That yeah. is where the peace is. And any, any time in your life, I believe that, you know, when you start getting wrapped up in things that you, you really don't know about and then asking yourself, is this thought true? Is this a true thought that I'm having right now? Is it real? Yes. And if you have to, you know, you go in and do that and internally ask that question is you, nine times out of 10, it's going to be no, you don't know, you know, and I think when you stop and you inquire, that in itself is putting yourself in the present moment and just shutting it all down. Just like you said, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, get it out, Nathan, or shut up. <laughs> I yeah, love or, that, you know? or a little prayer that says, God, help me. Yeah. Help me right now. It's that simple, everybody. It really is. The, the, the main thing is being able to catch yourself before you go into that spiral, the spiral that you get into. You know, the other night uh, I was watching 
watching the news with my husband and I probably watched too much. And I went to bed and I was feeling pretty down about everything that I'd heard and everything that was going on. And I literally just, you know, it was just hard. It was really hard. And I allowed myself to just go, okay, yep, things are not the best. They're not the way I would like them to be right now. And I feel kind of sad, but eventually it's going to be okay. And that's what he does too. It's like, it's going to be okay. You know, we'll just go with it. We'll roll with it. Whatever happens, happens in our future. Mm -hmm. But it's a false thing to think a lot of times that I think when people plan a lot that it gives them control but it's a false sense of control or that it keeps them safe. And it's a false sense of safety as well. Because yeah, you're coming up with things that just we aren't into that Because we do, you know, some of our plans do um, organize things in a way that gives us some control over some variables, but, but only to a degree. There, mm -hmm. There's always stuff you couldn't have expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With most of the people that you work with, um, Father Nathan, would you say when they cross into the afterlife that it, 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 it's interesting the amount of time that some take as opposed to others, you know, like some get through it quicker than others, depending, I guess, on the severity of the accident. Does it even matter? Or it's just, it is what it is for each individual. Well, remember the little group that I've been asked to help uh, went through trauma uh, and died, of, you know, traumatic, sudden deaths. So it's a, it's a small subset of the total population of people who die today. That's um, true. But then even the, even uh, I've learned, I, I got, I'm getting rid of the word stuck in the subtitle in this yeah. video because some of them aren't stuck. They're just moving at a slower pace than others and nobody's shaming them about that. That is good. I'm actually really glad that you did that. I think that it was a really great, it was just a really great way to segue into the new book is just to take out that word. You yeah, know. there are some who are stuck, but not everybody. A lot of them uh, just needed intensive care. Yeah, it's true. But they went through. They needed more help than normal folk mm -hmm. do. And mm -hmm. so what's the matter with that? That's what it's yeah. there for. Well, we got to go to our second break. When we get back, I want to talk about another little lady. So okay. we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. 
Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, we're back with Father Nathan. So, Father Nathan and I want to tell this great story, and uh, this actually came from his new book. Can I say that, Father Nathan? Yep. And um, it's about a beautiful little lady named Lucille, and Lucille died in a fire, and I'm going to let you tell the rest of the story of what is so beautiful about this lady and the way that she went into her afterlife. Well, as is the case with all of these, they come to me in a dream. And I remember the dream. I was waking up and, I, and there was a big plate glass window in the room where I was waking up. I was waking up inside the dream. And there were all these weird colors that were kind of uh, attractive to the eye. And I got up and looked at the window at these colors. And then on, in one corner, there was like a black claw that came in uh, that looked menacing. Mm. And... I awoke. Well, when we when we were able to go into prayer with a partner, it turned out that this lady named Lucille was a widow in her early 80s, and she was in one of the California wildfires. Mm. She had gone to sleep that night. She lived in a neighborhood that wasn't in a canyon and didn't back up to wilderness. So she was living in a suburb that she thought was safe, but it had been so dry that all the trees were uh, kind of shocked. And she said you could only use the hose every other day, you know. Yeah, they had a water um, preservation thing going. Uh, Anyway, she woke up and realized that uh, she was inside of a wildfire. Mm. It was running through her neighborhood. And she had to quickly decide what to do. She thought if I were younger, I'd make a run for it. I'd get the car keys and I'd run for it. Uh, But she said, I'm in my house coat. I'm wearing slippers uh, out. I wouldn't want to be in uh, uh, on my driveway in a fire. I'd rather have a roof over my head. I think my best option, I don't have a good option, but of the ones I have, I think I'd be better off inside. And then she thought, you know, somehow, sometimes you see on the news, the tornado destroyed the most of the neighborhood, but it left a few houses standing or the fire skipped about. And yeah, uh, she thought maybe, maybe I'll get lucky and my house will be okay. So she had two cats. She gathered up the cats and said, you come sit by me and we're going to see what it's like to be in a wildfire. Mm. And then she said, um, I think what happened was the fire ate up all the oxygen in the air and I went unconscious. She doesn't remember getting burned. No, she said, I went unconscious and the next thing I knew it was over. 
Wow. All the experience of it for me was sitting down in a chair with my cats. Wow. And and then when I the next thought I had, it was over. And she was with her guardian angel. And um it, it was okay. Wow. I mean, she lost her house and she lost her life, but then she started thinking, you know, well. All right. I didn't think I would die this way. I was an old lady. I thought I would go from cancer or some old age disease or something. And I never thought I'd die in a wildfire, but I did. But it wasn't as bad as I would have thought it was. The reason that we, you know, actually chose this story was very interesting to me because this woman, actually, there was a sense of presence where she's 80 years old. And maybe, you know, with old age comes wisdom. And she kind of went through her, what she could do, you know, she went, went through, well, you know, I can't go run. Um, I'm too old for that. I'm in my house coat, my slippers. It's much safer to be inside for me than outside. And she, she just kind of resigned herself, I think, to the fact that, okay, let's just sit through this wildfire. It was very interesting to me how she went about it. There's, well, she also like said, was one, panic. Of, one of the things I could have done is run through the house in a panic. And she said, all that would have done is scare the cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to frighten the cats. Babies. So I said, hey, you come over here and sit with me. Mm, and so she held her cats and waited to see what would happen. And then what happened was the oxygen and the air disappeared, and she was unconscious before her body was ever touched by a flame. Yeah, and her cats did not get get into the app. They probably waited for her to move on, and then they they right, were that there. Part of the conversation. I don't know what, whether she's with her cats or not. She didn't oh, say. Yeah, uh, really, but, but she was just real sweet about it, and she just said, "I wouldn't have thought." She said, "If my story could help anybody that has lost loved ones to something horrifying like a wildfire." Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it doesn't happen this way for anybody, but this is at least my story and I can tell it. And maybe people will read my story and think, well, I hope that's what happened to my loved one. Well, it's so interesting. She, you know, she didn't really hear the loop. Like I didn't really get that from her that she kept repro- over-processing her death. And the other thing that I thought was really interesting about her is the way she, she described her own death. People that were left behind, the survivors or anybody that found out that she died, probably thought she died a horrific death and burned to death and something like that. But she said, no, she didn't feel any of that. She said, my body burned, but I wasn't in it at the time. Yeah, so she didn't even have to look at it or see it or anything. Well, she, she caught a glimpse of it. Uh, uh, and then she remember, she went on to talk about her furniture. Yes. She said it was too bad because she had some lovely things that she would have loved <laughs> to uh the survivors, and she said they were all destroyed. They found a few little things, but they're kind of piti- pitiful and singed. And she said, <laughs> who would want to have that in their house? You know? Yeah. It's just so interesting the things that they say to you once they're over there, you know? Well, that's, we all live at a, we all live a kind of a, you know, overview life, but we, our lives have lots of detail in them. Oh, they do, Father Nathan. You know, and I, and here's the thing that's been coming through for me a lot, you know, with uh, with everything that's been happening in our world is the importance of connection mm-hmm. and of being connected to each other. It's something that that's been probably been one of the hardest things for me with all of this is the importance of human connection. Yes. And how our lives are so intricate. We're not all the same. We're, you know, we all have these different experiences. We all have these challenges. We all suffer. Uh, we never, 
I don't think anybody really escapes that in this life, but that's how we evolve. That is how we evolve. But there's a lot of little human conditions that can kind of keep us locked up. And that's really what we really wanted to talk a lot about today was how do you move through not knowing the future? How do you move through the anxiety and tension that it causes in the body when we don't know the direction that we're going to be going? It's pretty much a decision. Do you want to be unhappy? Do you want to live with the consequences of anxiety and the way it breaks down your body, gives you headaches, whatever? It's a decision. And so when you have to repeat into a habit, but you, you, you have it in you, there's no, no rule that says you have to be anxious about the future. I choose to be happy. Like Lucille chose to just say, okay, we're going to see what it's like to go through a wildfire. Yeah. It was yeah. so practical. She also said everybody has to die of something. And then after you do, um, it's not that interesting. <laughs> everybody <laughs> has a story to tell, but, you know, it's just a story. Yeah, it is. It's just a story. And we all have them, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, reading your books, it's, I, they're so relatable, Father Nathan, you know, Toto book, Afterlife Interrupted, the other book, I'm, I cannot wait to order it, even though I know quite a bit about it, but I just can't wait to order it and, and read it, is that you will find when you read Father Nathan's book that there's so much relatable experiences in them. And I think that brings, to me, it brings comfort and security and safety. There's a lot of teachings in the book. And in your new book, uh, what's really great is you put, um, and I want to know why you decided to do that. You can tell us a little bit about that. You have the title of the chapter and then the lessons underneath that. We chose in this one, we'd already introduced the topic of this afterlife ministry to what we were calling Stuck Souls. Right. Um, uh, but then this time, there's so many. They come about once a week. I have so many stories I could include, but I only wanted to do a, about a dozen. And so my sister, who's my editor, said, let's do this one. Let's think of what people most need to hear now yes. and try to make this book uh, serve the needs of people right now at this time. And you know, frankly, I, was, you know, I started writing this in March because I couldn't travel anymore. Most yeah. of my work is on, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles. I'm in front of groups talking and giving retreats, and I couldn't do that. So I thought, okay, well, what can I do? I can. There's nothing to stop me writing a book. Yeah. And when you, what made you come to the decision to, you know, when you did your first book, what made you come to the decision to list those challenges that each person had? Because that's what I think makes it so relatable. Well, we wanted to try to take stories that. Um, that touched upon problems that people might be having now and how some of these souls that went through a trauma dealt with it. Oh, or I see. Lesson, mm -hmm. Some lesson about that they're, they're gaining wisdom in, in their first part of the afterlife. And we're asking them, what do you, do you have any words of wisdom to share with us? Is there mm. anything you'd like to tell the reader? Okay. But it's good because if you, even if you don't read the book cover to cover and let's say you, um, you know, just go down the chapters and look, you can kind of tell, you know, if there's something that you want to read that uh, speaks to your heart or somebody in your life might have had a traumatic death, you know. And we tried to address, um, you know, like we have the Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter. We have a story of a sheriff who was shot in the line of duty and a young black man that was being recruited into a gang. And 
Um, we have a couple of suicides because I didn't include a suicide story in the previous book, and that gets asked all the time. It does. What about suicides? So we included no, a true. couple of those. Um, and then we look for people that had a particularly, uh, I don't know, lovely way of, I, I believe the Holy Spirit guides this process. And I just kept saying, praying to the Holy Spirit, tell me which people to include. I would agree with that. Uh, and I really like this lineup. Of, I'm calling them the freshman class and the sophomore class is the, it, it was the afterlife book one. So these I are love my, it. It's so great. So before we close, because we are getting really close here, um, tell us a little bit about the book and um, how people can get it when you think it's, you just fire away, Father Nathan. I I ordered draft copies today on Amazon. It was just uploaded today. It's, uh, my name is Nathan Castle. It's, uh, you know, it's on Amazon. It's Afterlife Interrupted Book Two. Now, I'm not absolutely certain Nina, that it's available today, no. but it will be very soon. Okay. Uh, and um, by our next show, we'll definitely have it. Oh yeah, that'd be a month from now. Uh, we're we're trying to do an Amazon bestseller campaign on December the fifth. You try to get everybody you know to buy it on the same day. Okay, I'll do it. I'll it help rocks you. their algorithm. It it okay. uh, if you outsell everybody on that day, you get to be called an Amazon bestselling author. So that we're trying to do that. Fantastic. So that's great. So be with us in a month on the third Wednesday of December with Father Nathan. We'll be talking about his new book. And you can reach him at your website again, Father Nathan? Nathan-Castle.com. Beautiful. And you can find everything on there. And um, There's also a link on there to the YouTube channel. And we're posting your show there as well for one, oh, one place where people can find it. Thank you. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait. It's been a great show today, Father Nathan. Thank you so much for coming on and being a, a regular part of this show. It's well, I love much. being with you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So to everyone out there, it's been a wonderful show today. And I know Father Nathan and I, it was really important for us to talk about anxiety because a lot of people have had anxiety and thoughts about the future. And I want to say this and Father Nathan mentioned it as well, is taking that time. It's not that hard. Sit your butt down, put some music on, do, uh, there's so many apps out there right now that are helping with calming the mind and the body. It really makes a difference. I do it in my own life, whether I'm doing it in, in when I go to mass or when I'm at home, I put something on that calms my mind. And uh, I would recommend that to everyone out there. Hang in there, all's gonna be good. Stay in tune with your own heart as you move forward in life. And I promise you, it works. Take good care. And we'll see you next talk. Hear you next week. Bye-bye. We hope you have found hope in this week's edition of Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. Please join your host, Nina Impala, for another program next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again soon.